0: Hey y'all, it's Courtney here. Thank you so much for joining me again here on our her portion. I'm so excited to continue our study through God's Word about the portion God has for those of us that are saved. On our last episode, I talked to you about how as Christians in this present evil world, we have hope, not in things here on this earth, but in Jesus Christ, our savior, our redeemer. This old world and this old sinful flesh isn't all there is for us. One aspect of our portion is our hope in Jesus Christ. We are anxiously but patiently waiting for the redemption of our bodies, a promise that God gives to all of us that are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what we talked about last time, so if you missed it, you may want to go back and catch up real quick. But today, I want to continue on this same topic of hope in Jesus Christ as our portion, but I want to move to the teaching of imputed righteousness. <laughs> that sounds like a big fancy term, but if you're saved, it's what gets you to heaven. If you're not not saved or have questions about salvation send us an email we can tell you how to settle that today so for this episode i'm going to stick with the verse that i talked about on the last episode lamentations 324 and it says the lord is my portion saith my soul therefore will i hope in him Last time, we talked about the hope we have in Him. This time, I want to talk about one of the many ways that the Lord is our portion. That word, Lord, there should be in all caps in your Bible because it was the covenant name of God in the Old Testament, Yahweh. It means He keeps His promises. I thought it was interesting that the psalmist here said, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. The soul is the one proclaiming that the Lord is His portion. One thing you hear a lot about is how God is love, and our God is absolutely love, but love won't get us to heaven because our God is also righteous and just. Sin has a consequence. Sin has a wage, a debt. Because of our debt through sin, we owed God something, but we couldn't possibly pay our debt ourselves, so God, in his love for us, sent his son to be our payment, and he paid the price for our sin. John three sixteen. we know that verse quoted so much, but it says, For God so loved the world, That he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Praise the Lord! Today, I wanted to go into a little bit of detail on how the salvation process works because getting saved is very simple. So simple, even a child can do it. And God's redemption plan is for the entire world. Romans 10 9 tells us that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. All you have to do for salvation is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. Salvation is simple. If you hadn't done this yet, what are you waiting for? (laughs) Salvation is simple, but the process on the other side, on the part of Jesus Christ, is a little more complex. Now, do not misunderstand me. You do not have to know how salvation works to be saved. You don't have to know the inner working of a cell phone to believe that it's gonna work when you pick it up or text or call someone or surf the internet or get on your apps. But because I am saved, I wanna know because the Bible teaches us about it I want to know. I want to learn about it. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21, it says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So let's talk about that word reconciliation first, because it appears five times in these verses. So, we know from Genesis that because of Adam's disobedience in the garden, sin entered into the world, and man was out of fellowship with God, but by Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus Christ brought man and God together again. God has been reconciled to man. Reconcile means to change thoroughly. It refers to a changed relationship. So we are also reconciled to God by Jesus' death on the cross. So God is already reconciled to us. Then we accept Jesus as our Savior. We are then reconciled to God. We are then made righteous. Have you ever heard the term imputed righteousness? Have you ever heard that word? Um, The word imputing was used in the passage that I just read Kind of in the opposite way of what I'm talking about today. So I'm going to read that verse again. 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So in this verse, it tells us that God was in Christ, Reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. So in this verse, God was not imputing our sin on us. So that, there's that word impute. So let me explain it to you like our preacher explained it to us. We all know what amputation is, right? If you have an arm or a leg amputated, you have it cut off. Imputation is the opposite of that. With imputation, you have something put on. In our case, as sinners, when we are saved, God doesn't impute or put our sin on us. We get the righteousness of Jesus Christ put on us. Can you believe that? Our sin gets amputated, and Jesus Christ's righteousness gets imputed. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Our righteousness is found in Jesus Christ. We are made righteous by being in Jesus Christ. That word imputation is actually a banker's term, and it means to put on the account. When Jesus died on the cross, our sins were laid on Him. They were put on His account, and He was treated as though He had committed all of our sins. He paid that debt. That account has been settled. Our sins were paid for that day on the cross. Now when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we accept His sacrifice for us, His righteousness is put on our account. So as far as our record is concerned, as far as our account is concerned, when you look it up, you no longer see the sins we commit. You no longer have a debt owed. Our account has been reconciled, paid in full. And now you see the righteousness of Christ there. Philippians two nine says, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. If we tried to come to God by ourselves, by our own merit, not through the cross of Calvary, God would not accept it. Do you know what our righteousness looks like to our holy God? Paul knew because he talked about it. In Romans 7.18, he says, For I know that in me... That is in my flesh dwells no good thing. He also says in Romans three ten, as it is written there is none righteous, no, not one. Isaiah also knew because he wrote about it. In Isaiah sixty four six he says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Have you ever read the book of Philemon? It only takes up one page in my Bible, but the truth of reconciliation and imputation is so beautifully illustrated in it. So Paul is writing this letter to his friend Philemon. Philemon's slave, Onesimus, has stolen from him and he's ran off. Because he was a slave and because he had stolen from his master, he could have been crucified. But instead, Onesimus met Paul and was converted. So Paul wrote this letter to his friend Philemon to encourage him to forgive Onesimus and receive him home. Philemon 17 says, Receive him as myself. And Paul goes on to say in verse 18, If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee ought, put that on mine account. Paul didn't say, Ignore his crimes and forgive his debts. Paul said, Put them on my account. I'll pay them. He was willing to pay the debt that Onesimus owed so that Philemon and Onesimus could be reconciled. Just like Jesus Christ does for us, when we accept Him as our Savior, He says to God, Receive them as you would receive me. I've paid their debt. It was put on my account. Ephesians six says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Because of God's grace in Christ, we are accepted before Him. Verse 7 goes on to say, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Redeem means to purchase and set free by paying a price. We were purchased and set free by His blood. A preacher explained it like this, Without redemption, you'd still be in ruin. But Christ went to the cross and paid the debt for our sins so we could know this redemption in Jesus Christ. Remember at the beginning of this episode when I said that God's redemption plan was for the whole world? Everyone in this world has already been redeemed. Redemption was paid for on Calvary. It's our job as Christians to go tell the world. The debt has already been paid. If we go to hell, it's our fault. Jesus has already paid our sin debt. Redemption's plan is complete. He's already died that whosoever will may come. So forgive means to carry away, just like it says in Psalm 103, 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Our sins have been carried away. Remember that verse in Lamentations that I've been quoting? The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. Jesus is my part. Jesus is my portion. It is because of and through Jesus Christ that I can be reconciled to God. It is because of and through Jesus Christ that I have righteousness on my account. It is because of and through Jesus Christ that I have been redeemed. I have been purchased. I have been set free. It is because of and through Jesus Christ that I am able to enjoy all the spiritual blessings that God has given us saints. Like I said in my last episode, there are quite a few verses that talk about portion in the Bible, so I wanted to share one more with you. Psalm sixteen five says, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The Lord, His righteousness, that is the portion of our inheritance. But that cup is also a beautiful picture. It goes right along with what I've been saying. Can you just imagine in your mind your cup is full of your sins, and the Lord pours out the contents of your cup, And fills it with His righteousness. The Lord maintains our lot. If we are in Him, if we're saved, He takes care of it. We and our inheritance are safe and secure in Him. Another verse in Psalm says, My cup runneth over. The blessings that we receive in Christ are innumerable. The cup of His righteousness and blessing is overflowing. James 117 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Have you ever taken the first step in claiming these promises of enjoying the goodness of the Lord? Have you been reconciled to God? Have you called out to Him to save your soul? If you have, I encourage you to start studying the rich spiritual blessings you can have in Jesus. If not, Please, please, please contact us today, either through our email that's linked to this podcast or through any of our individual Instagram accounts or blogs. I want to leave you with this story that illustrates these truths so well. Hetty Green had gone down in history as America's greatest miser. Can you imagine that title? She's even been in the Guinness Book of World Records as the greatest miser. Yet when she died in 1916, she had over a $100 million. She ate cold oatmeal because it cost money to heat it up. It said that she didn't use hot water or heat and that she wore the same black dress and undergarments that she changed only after they were worn out. Her son even had to suffer a leg amputation because she delayed so long in looking for a free clinic that his case became incurable. She was wealthy, yet she chose to live like a pauper. Hetty Green is a sad illustration of so many Christians today. They have limitless wealth at their disposal, and yet they live like paupers. Won't you learn how to tap into all of the rich spiritual blessings that are available to us as Christians through Jesus Christ? Thank you so much for joining me again today. I'm so glad you came back for the second episode. Don't forget to tune back in on Wednesday. We'll have Jackie here, and she'll be giving us her portion of what she learned about portions from studying God's Word. Thank you for joining us today on Her Portion. We hope you leave with plenty to ponder from God's Word. We encourage you to use today's topic to start your own study in the Scriptures. Until next time.